I have an existing LLC. I'm interested in properly converting that to a holding company, if possible, or creating a new holding company and then putting everything I have under a trust. Can you help me with setting these up properly or can you recommend someone that can do both for me? All right, there are kind of two parts to this. The second part is about finding an attorney who can do this. And generally, you're going to want to look for an attorney who has experience in setting up trusts and businesses. Often, business attorneys don't deal with trusts because trusts are a vehicle typically used by estate planning attorneys. And often, estate planning attorneys don't work with businesses like LLCs and corporations. At least the new ones don't. So what you're looking for is somebody who has experience with both, or you might use an estate planning attorney who works closely with a business attorney, and they can quickly talk and figure out how to do this. It's important that you have an attorney in your state put this together. So you're welcome to contact my office my email address is Aaron at AaronHall.com, and we can try to help point you in the right direction. But unless you're in Minnesota, I wouldn't uh, typically be the right attorney for this. So let's turn to the substance of the question. So if you have an existing company, how should you set up a holding company or trust for it? That's essentially the question that's being asked. And what are the considerations that are involved? Well, let's talk through this. If you have an existing LLC, that means that LLC has activity. And usually when there's activity, it means there's a possibility of getting sued. What do I mean by activity? For example, an LLC might have contracts and it might breach those contracts at some point. An LLC might have employees and it might get sued by employees for improper payment of wages or discrimination or some other employment law. The LLC uses a brand, and it's possible that LLC could get sued for trademark infringement of somebody else's brand because your brand is confusingly similar to someone else's brand. So whenever you have an ongoing LLC, it is not a good idea to use that LLC as a holding company. What you typically do is start a fresh LLC. By the way, it could be an S-Corp as well, but usually holding companies are LLCs. And that becomes the holding company. And then you transfer your ownership of the operating LLC into the holding company. So instead of you being the owner or shareholder, the holding company becomes the owner or shareholder of that LLC that you've been operating for a while. There is one other way to structure this, and that is for you to own the active or operating LLC, and you also own a holding company. Now, for those who are unfamiliar with holding companies, you might be asking, why would someone set up a holding company? What's the purpose behind that? A holding company's purpose is to hold assets so that if the operating company gets sued, it may go down in flames, but the assets are in a separate company where they are held and protected. I'll give you an example, uh, kind of a real-life example. 
Imagine that you have a fitness gym. People go lift weights, they have exercise classes, etc. And as part of having that gym, you need to buy the fitness equipment. And let's assume that that equipment is worth $200,000. If you have that in a single LLC, where then somebody sues you from getting hurt at the gym, that lawsuit, if you lose it, they can end up getting all the equipment. So what gyms often do is they will have all the equipment owned by a holding company. And then that equipment is leased to the operating company. So let's say you, you had a gym called Fire Gym. And then you have a separate holding company called Green Acre Holding Company. Fire Gym would sell memberships. Fire Gym would hire the employees. Fire Gym is on the branding. But Fire Gym owns very little. Fire Gym might own some computers, some t-shirts, some other branded stuff. But the owner's goal is to keep the assets in Fire Gym very low. Now you might say, well, what about the money? Because all the members are paying the money. That's absolutely true. Members are paying money into the gym. And so as that money accumulates, you have a couple options. Option one, pay a profit distribution to the owner. That means the money is paid out essentially as like dividends on a stock. It's a, essentially a profit distribution that's paid out to the owner. And then it's no longer available to somebody who sues you in a lawsuit. Another common practice is for the company to be paying lease payments for the equipment that's being leased from Green Acre Holding Company. Because remember, Green Acre Holding Company owns all the equipment. It's made that equipment available to Fire Gym. And the gym now has to pay lease payments for that. And so that's another way to move money properly out of an operating LLC into a holding company. The other common way to move money into a holding company is to have a management company. And typically you won't have the holding company actually do the management. You'll have a separate management company managing all of this and money can be paid out of the gym to the management company. So there are a few different ways to move profits, if you will, or proceeds from the gym and all the membership fees to one of these other entities that protects that money. So to recap here, you set up a fresh LLC as a holding company. You need to then properly move the assets to it. Now I say properly, that means you actually have to have a contract for the sale of those assets. And there needs to be a lease agreement between the two. One of the problems with setting up this sort of structure is the legal fees. You have to pay an attorney to draft all the contracts because if you don't have proper contracts between companies, courts have said you're not following the formalities of two separate companies. You're not treating it like two real companies. And because you're not treating it as separate companies, a court won't either. In other words, if you're not keeping separate bank accounts for the holding company and the operating company, and you're not having proper contracts and you're not properly tracking who owns what, then a court will pierce the corporate veil, which essentially means allow the liabilities or debts or obligations of the operating company to transfer over to the holding company. 
and now all of your assets in the holding company are exposed. The other part of this question related to a trust and how to use a trust. Let's talk about how to use a trust to protect your assets. There are revocable trusts and irrevocable trusts. And those are two distinct categories of trusts. A revocable trust is used for your estate planning. It means that you can revoke it or change it at any time. An irrevocable trust cannot be revoked by you. It cannot be changed by you. It cannot be modified by you. And an irrevocable trust allows you to have some separation between you and your assets. Why would anyone ever do an irrevocable trust? Because they can't change it. Here's why. Because if you get sued, the court or the creditor can step into your shoes and make changes to a trust that's revocable, but not changes to a trust that's irrevocable. And so an irrevocable trust can be a valuable tool for protecting your assets from your creditors. A revocable trust can protect assets from your beneficiary's creditors, but not your own. So we're using a lot of legal terms here. Let's talk through a little example to try to make this more simple. Imagine that you, you set up a revocable trust and you put your home into that revocable trust. If you get sued and you lose and the judge says you owe a million dollars, and let's say your home is worth a million dollars, just for simple math here. As a general rule, the equity in that home, or at least a portion of it, is exposed to the creditor. And you know what? Home isn't a great example because a lot of states have exemption laws that exempt a home residence. So let's say you have a cabin, because that's an even cleaner example. You own a million dollar cabin. The creditor can force a sale of that cabin because the creditor won a million dollar judgment against you. The creditor has a right to go after your assets and if you don't freely pay that million dollars, they can go after assets that you own, like your cabin. And that's true even if that cabin is in a revocable trust because you have the right to pull assets out of that trust, revoke the trust, or change the trust. But if you have an irrevocable trust, that's a trust that you cannot change, and you've put your cabin into that, the creditor is limited in going after that. The creditor and the judge can only order you to do what you have a right to do under the trust documents. So for example, let's say you set up an irrevocable trust, and under this trust, you cannot change the trust. And let's say you're not the trustee, so you don't have the right to manage the trust. Let's say it's your daughter. And let's say you're not a beneficiary of the trust either. The beneficiaries are your daughter and son. In that case, you have given up the cabin to the trust. The daughter manages the trust. You don't. The daughter and son benefit from the trust. You don't. If somebody steps into your shoes, there's no way to pull that cabin back out. And that is why a creditor who may have the right to everything you own does not have a right to something that's in that trust because you have no benefits coming out of that trust. That at a really high level is how a trust can be used 
to protect assets from creditors. Now, you can't wait until you get sued and just put your cabin in a trust to try to protect it. That can be considered a fraudulent conveyance. And there is a fraudulent conveyance act that prevents that sort of transaction just to prevent creditors from getting something. But if you are setting this up in advance of the threat of a lawsuit, generally that transaction will not be undone the assets will not be disgorged by a court, and that transaction will be respected and preserved, which means the creditor can only get from you what you have. You don't have that cabin anymore. As you can see, this whole concept of using LLCs and trusts and holding companies to minimize risk, it's complex. I don't recommend people do it on their own because you're too close to the situation. There's a lot of value in having a third party analyze your circumstances who is a little bit removed from the situation and not emotional about it. So if you are thinking about using a trust or a holding company to minimize your risk, I strongly recommend that you consult with an attorney in your state who has experience using trusts and holding companies and designing what that plan looks like. How much should that cost? Usually you just pay for an hour of time. So you don't need to pay thousands of dollars to get a design put together. You can typically pay a good attorney for one hour of time and that attorney can ask the questions about your circumstances, figure out your concerns, your risks and your needs, and then put together an outline or a plan of what that would look like. And then you can decide whether to pay that attorney to implement the plan or not. Typically, you're going to spend a few thousand dollars setting up any entities and trust that's needed. When I say a few thousand dollars, I'm guessing it's going to be somewhere between three and 10,000, depending on how many things you need and, and what the relationship is between the different entities and trusts. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more, check out our YouTube channel. We have a lot of similar topics there. And if you have questions that weren't answered today, I'd love for you to submit them. You can submit them by email or by adding a question in the comments section below. Have a great day.